Commit to truth. Lasting change happens in the context of trusting relationships with self and others. It can't happen in a vacuum. There is no trust without truth. Always seek to understand others' people's truth, be a witness to their tacit truth, and help them return to the unequivocal truth. They are a normal person worthy of love and belonging because they exist. Commit to relating to them from this place. No excuses, no matter how difficult. A Deeper Way. Foundational tenant number five. I'm Casey Lanko. And I'm Tim Johansson. And welcome to Psychology at Work. Welcome back, everyone, to the Psychology at Work podcast. Today, uh, we're continuing our exploration of a deeper way tenant number five, Commit to Truth. Mm. We're very excited to have two a deeper way yeah. certified facilitators with us today in this discussion. One of our guests is Jillian Spurl. She's an experienced human resource professional with a history of working in the healthcare industries. She's skilled in nonprofit organizations, collaboration, and communication. She's passionate about aligning human resources initiatives with business goals. Currently, she is a regional people services manager for Ecumen, a nonprofit healthcare and senior living organization. Also, we have Rich McCaffrey, uh, who is a senior manager of talent planning and executive insights at the Walt Disney Company, mm. where he facilitates insights for top executive talent regarding their potential, career, interests, and intent, strengths, and development needs as part of the Disney Executive Leadership Insights Development Offering. Let's get into our conversation with Jillian and Rich. Let's do it. Jillian and Rich, welcome to the Psychology at Work podcast, brought to you by A Deeper Way. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Let's introduce yourselves, your voices to the listeners, and then we'll, we'll dive into our discussion. Jillian, welcome. Thank you. I'm Jillian, and drawing a blank, Casey. Drawing a blank. You're, you're you put Jillian. me on the spot. You're Jillian, <laughs> and you're here and uh, your voice should likely be easy to pick out amongst the, the three. Yes. Of us. So thanks for being here. And, and Rich, Absolutely. welcome to you as well. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Uh, Rich McCaffrey. And I know of myself that I'm a work in progress, right? So professionally as well as personally, uh, work on it every day. So happy to be here. Mm. Awesome. Let's just dive in. This is a, a big tenant just in terms of length. I think it probably has the most words out of all of them. In, in the previous episode, Tim and I sort of unpacked it a little bit, but let's just start off by, to everyone, when you hear this big tenant, what, what kind of immediately comes up for you? Of course, our classic question, what comes up when you think to, of this tenant, commit to truth? I, th I think one of the thing that comes up for me to immediately and after thinking about it and listening to you all talk about it in, in more context is I believe this is probably one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other as humans, just to be able to see one another um, and, and really focus on that. You, Tim talks about that a lot. I, I, I always forget sort of that frame in terms of, but I think that's such a good reminder how it's a gift, isn't it? That we can really give each other. Jillian, I see you nodding. What's coming up for you? Yeah, I 
same wavelength with Rich. You know, I really think this is this idea of belonging. I think I really love in this tenant um, and relating to people from that place of I belong, we belong, we all belong. I, I just love it. I think it's really powerful. It's very, it's, it gives people power to be able to relate to people from this, that place. And what also comes up for me is the, this is where you guys first introduced like the word relationships mm. in here. I've read all of these tenants numerous times. <laughs> well, it's just, they all obviously relate to relationships in any context mm. where there sure. are people around, but here you really introduce it. And just that idea of this living, breathing thing that is a relationship, it takes work, it takes effort. And all of the other tenants leading up to this are building blocks. And I always see like when I read this tenant, people coming together in that space of belonging and how are we going to give that to each other and what does that look like and things like that. So when I read it again, that jumped out at me more than it has before. Jillian, a couple of things I wanted to follow up on what you said there and just toss it back up to the group uh, in no particular order, but you said uh, something about it gives people power. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. And I saw Rich sort of having a, mm-hmm. a nodding reaction as well when you said that. So put that idea back on the table. For I mean, for me, I, I agree with you, Jillian. And, uh, you know, when I, when I look back, um, one of the things in terms of image that pops up for me when I when I think about this tenant, uh, was imagine like standing on this kind of warm, sun-drenched beach or field, right? And you've got the sense or this feeling of belonging, right? And the power that you feel to step into whatever that reality is for you, right? Whether it be thoughts that you want to share, validated experience, right? There's there's that sense of kind of knowing like. I'm okay, right? And I have something to add. There's value in what I have. That's the power, mm. like knowing that I belong and right, and, and someone is going to hear me. They're going to be open and they don't have to agree, right? but the power in that what I say and who I am matters where I've got value. There's there's tremendous power in that. The, the word that's in here is the love word. Right? And that's a word that, often makes people uncomfortable, particularly in the context of being in the world of work. So uh, I was kind of curious, you, you both work inside organizations. Um, you know, a lot of our certified facilitators are external consultants. You both happen to be internal consultants. Big open-ended question. How do you see this at work, basically? And I know I'm not asking anything specific, but... At just inviting you to talk about in the context of inside an organization, what comes up for you around this big idea and particularly this idea of love and belonging? I think people have lived experiences, you know, so they all just happen to come to the same place that is the workplace and they bring all of that with them. And I think as an organization where this idea of love and belonging is kind of comes in and what's coming up for me is we are all here going towards a common goal mission whatever it is and what do you do but love the person next to you and know that you all belong here in this space and time for a reason 
Um, and it's about honoring that. I think mm. maybe that's what comes up for me. You know, we can love each other in this way of I'm going to let you be you and me be me in this same space. I really like that, Jillian, because I think one of the things that I'm that I'm hearing and I, w- I was also thinking about, right, is, you know, when you step into a workspace, right, virtually or in person, right, you bring all kinds of stuff with you, right? Expectations, um, hierarchy, competing priorities, right? Competing for resources, right? So there's there's who you are as a person, which is the same person more often than not that shows up at work, plus all this other stuff. Um, and what what really strikes me in terms of you know this notion of loving or you know love and belonging is at least in, in my space, we, we know the best leaders are truly self-aware, right? They've got personal insight about strengths, weaknesses, their experiences, right? And how their behaviors like affect others and vice versa. And you can't, and, and I think uh, Tim and Casey, you guys were talking about this too, right? There's this myth in terms of, you know, we, that we treat others better than ourselves. Uh, but the reality is like, you, yeah. you can't right, truly be with somebody in a safe space, unless I can't offer, unless I can offer that same thing to myself. So while at work, right, it may be uncomfortable in terms of, and, and I, I can't imagine in my workspace talking about like, well, do you, you know, do you love yourself? Like mm, I'd probably be <laughs> laughed at right. out the door, <laughs> right? But, but the essence of that in terms of, if I think about it and reflect on it from a self-awareness standpoint, do I really love myself? Like, am I okay with who I am? And if the answer is no, not really, like, well, then ask some more questions, right, of yourourself. And, and because I know that, like, I, I know enough <laughs> that there are days that I'm like, yeah, I don't believe this about me, but right. I sure as heck better figure it out, right, because I need to be able to respond in a way that's going to allow somebody else to feel that they're a part of that conversation in a, in a genuine way. I love what you just said there, Rich, which is first off the normalization of, yeah, I don't always feel this is true about me. Like that, that's part of the human experience. And it's from my perspective, way better to just admit that rather than trying to fight against that reality. So yeah, I don't feel like that right now, but then I like what you said, which is, well, I better figure it out. And, and (laughs) what I heard in there, is that it's our individual responsibility to try to take care of that, right? We, we can't put, we can't externalize that responsibility and make that someone else's chief responsibility, right? It, it's, it's mine. You know, we talk a lot about, we, we are each individual responsible for our own emotional health. And while, we might enroll other people and involve other people because inherently we're in relationship. But if we're not transparent about it, if we're not owning our stuff and being kind of explicit with what we need, it's no one else's problem. <laughs> and it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's great. Julian, you had said something about relationships and you, I, you called it a living, breathing thing like the relationship itself and it's dynamic and it's changing and makes me think too of a professor of mine. She said, talking about people getting scraped and we're going to get scraped. And when we're in relationship and we're 
committed to one or committed to being in it, whether whatever that is, right? Working together on this project, we're going to scrape each other. And I think the thing I'm sitting with is those last two sentences of this tenant, no excuses, no matter how difficult. And I'd be curious to hear from either of you times when you've gotten scraped and how do you get back to committing to relating to someone with unconditional positive regard, giving them kind of like open hands. I will let you continue to participate, even though I just, you, I really got hurt or it doesn't even have to be really, or I might, I don't know what, but speak to that. Complicated um, for me. I, cause it pushes me back a bit. It does. I have to really um, be really conscious of, am I going into self-protection mode when I need to be collaborative? Because that's what my job needs from me. And so I, I quickly have to go through my questions. What happened? How that make me feel? What's the next right thing? And how do I pull myself kind of out of it, knowing that they might have not intentionally meant to scrape me, but it just felt gross because I insecure, shame, whatever it is that's getting in my way has knocked me back. So I have to quickly go through those questions in my mind. And most of the time I can get to back to that collaborative space. (laughs) What am I good at? What am I bringing to this situation? You know, focusing on that kind of stuff. That's really good, Jillian, because it is it is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's, yes. it's like really hard. It's really personal and mm. and yeah, given given our jobs too, right? Internal or or even external, right? It, you, you, we're people, like, and it is personal. So it, I I completely agree with you. It's hard. Um, I think I think for me, if I if I'm thinking about it, uh, knowing who I am and, and the spaces that I'm operating in, um, you know, on a, on a personal level, when, when somebody has said something, done something that kind of, uh, I'll say stomps on my truth or my version of things, which is, yeah. there's value yeah. in that. Right. Um, for me, I know it has a spiraling, spiraling effect, right. Or it can, right. Which is, okay, well, I'm, you know, did I, what I said or what I'm doing, does it make sense? And I start to doubt myself and it's like, no, 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 that's, that's, that's for me, anxiety creeping in. Um, and, and that self-doubt, uh, that's the difficulty that, that I experienced. There's a, there's a, a meditation teacher I was listening to last night, uh, Leslie Booker, and she was talking about anxiety, right? And of course, we all experience this. Like we all experience anxiety of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but her question was: the the real issue is what is our relationship with it? Like, what do you yes. do with the anxiety? Like when yes. it when it creeps in, right? So <clears throat> this notion mm-hmm. of when you're in those spaces and it is difficult, and you're feeling what you're feeling, it's you know, it's, it's the, it's the push or pull. Like, am I going to be drawn and pulled in, sucked into the spiral and doubt myself or say something that shuts down the conversation? Or am I going to think about the mechanisms that I need, which is for me, like pausing, right. And recognizing it's going to pass. And what's the real objective that's out there? Because for me, the, you know, the key in this, I think this tenant, and then just 
personally and professionally, it's it's empathy, right? How do I continue to demonstrate empathy so that we can move forward together? Like that's that's the piece that's kind of underlocking it. Um, and again, that's not easy. That sounds great, maybe, <laughs> but putting it in practice is hard as hell. <laughs> well, I I love everything y'all are saying, and and I think to that last point, Rich, conceptually, there's a simplicity to it. The words are all there, and we we can, for the most part, I think anyone who looks at it, reads it, hears it, goes, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The part that makes it difficult is our humanness, right? It's yeah. the stuff that's under the surface. It's the stuff that mm-hmm. we can't see. And it's the scary stuff. But I think the the other really important thing that isn't talked about enough, it's that they they are muscles. And so mm-hmm. when we commit, as this says, commit to truth, but but when we commit to practicing those things, Right. When we commit to when we we have the that scraping moment and we have the urge to protect ourselves and we commit to being aware of that and saying, Oh, I'm feeling that urge to put my walls up, I'm gonna pause, it actually does get easier. And it's not to say it's ever a cakewalk, ever probably, but it becomes more instinctual. And you mm. because what what happens is from my perspective, at least, you start to realize that 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 uh, paralyzing fear that you mm-hmm. might be experiencing in that moment, it's maybe telling you lies. And it's important to listen to it in the moment, to Rich's point, so that we decide what to do with it. Right? Because that that's the thing. And I know I think it was probably season one. I don't remember what we were talking about, Tim, but I talked about that idea of when I was in seventh grade and we were at a school assembly and this guy came in and talked about how everything's a choice. <laughs> it just pissed me off so much. Cause it's like, <laughs> do I really have a choice as a seventh grader? Like to, to go sit in class. <laughs> like, and you know, I suppose you probably do. Right. On, on some level, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little theoretical, but at the same time, it's not. You know, we literally do have a choice. So in those moments when we have the urge to protect ourselves, um, the more awareness we have, the more that we realize we do have a choice in that moment, more so than that seventh grader sitting in freedoms were being pressed on and yeah. thrown in your face. Yeah. <laughs> you said a word instinctual yeah. that really resonated with me. And it's a muscle and it's recognizing I'm in self-protection. And I think with this love one, yeah, right. Like no strings. I'm going to commit to relating to you with unconditional positive regard. That's a certain kind of sting when that gets hurt different from other kinds of things that put us in self-protection because to really commit to seeing people and relating to people unconditionally, there are no protections. There's no defenses there. You, you either commit to putting it all down or you don't. And I think when that gets scraped, that instinct 
is so I think ingrained to to not do it again, to not come back again without any defenses. That I think building that instinct, that muscle you're talking about, to say, okay, I'm in self protection. That hooked something here for me. That first instinct, like what I'm, what am I saying? It it doesn't feel easy, right? Even when you know it's right. But I get what you like. It's easier to let that in to say, okay, this is what's going on intellectually. But I think emotionally, it's quite big for us on the emotional I was side. Gonna say for you, those who have emotions. Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> but I, I think you know this tenant just takes it to a deeper level of of humanity, and living in that level is so fulfilling on this hand. And then when you get scraped, it's just really hard to commit to continuing to go back to that depth yeah, or to that place of who you are or of who we all are. I mean, it, to me, it goes back to, I think for me, it goes back to the, like, you know, I believe like we're all kind of working toward being better or being our, mm-hmm. our best. Right. And so we're applying it to work. Um, for me, trying to meet somebody where not only they are at, but you know, being who who I am as far as where I know I I need to be uh, and hope to be, right? Is when you get when you have those moments where you know you have experienced something, somebody's rubbed you the wrong way, or they've you know again did did said something. Um, yeah, you, you better you better be working on it because I go to this place and I, I keep looking at this normal, right? The, the word normal, mm. <laughs> um, right? And you guys talked about that too in mm. terms of, um, you know, nor- normal is, is relative, right? It's just like <laughs> the question being like, what, what's wrong with me? Because I know yeah. like I've had that tendency, right? If somebody's yeah. offended or, you know, I've, I've felt shut down, like that's something that's, that that's, that's the difficult piece. Like I, I can, I know I need to try and help them and keep the conversation going, be participative, but like, you know, if, if I haven't done that work or the individuals haven't done that work, like you can easily switch into a place of, well, what's, what's wrong with me. And now I'm, you know, I'm in self-protection mode. I am of no assistance to anybody. Right. Cause now we're just sitting here like being unproductive. Right? So, yes. Yeah. So you need, you know, there's, there's that, there's that notion, and I and I, I love the word because when I first read this, and we were you know first going through certification too, it was, you know, yeah, I, I believe I'm normal, and and again, may not believe that every day, but but when you really kind of peel it back and say, well, what does what does normal mean? Well, you know, unless I'm talking statistically, normal is whatever whatever you define it to be, and that yeah. that that was like really a kind of a light bulb moment. It's like, yeah, well, I actually control that. Like, there's not there's not this expectation of what normal is and uh, you know, trying to unpack your own stuff to be able to help people feel that they are being heard, that they are validated as normal, whatever that means for him or her. Super important. Thank you, Rich, for that. I want to bring us back to this idea. There's actually no mystery (laughs) around the impact of the emotional experience that we're talking about here, that idea of belonging, which is a felt emotional experience. I belong, uh, I'm valued for who I am. And from that point, then I, 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 it's more likely that I can contribute in more meaningful ways. The, the data is profoundly clear 
on the impact of what when individuals have that emotional experience at work, they're more engaged. They they spend more days on the job. I was just reading brand new research that came out yesterday. I haven't even finished it, but it, every indicator points to when we invest in trying to cultivate that kind of experience, everyone does better. So, so we know that. There's not actually any question. It's not even a debate. It's a waste of time to debate. That's a the truth, right? <laughs> so then... Now I'm going to get heated here, so my apologies. <laughs> Bring it on, Casey. Why can't we talk about it? Why is it still taboo? And and just to bring in one more quick anecdote, uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to our, our internal experts. We had a product nine almost 10, nine years ago, and it was kind of an automated sort of piece to really support the onboarding process. And love, the word love showed up intentionally on our part quite often in some of the automated messaging and we would sign it, you know, love CP. People lost their minds. So you cannot have that word in this, in these messages. You cannot have this word in those reports. If you don't remove this, we're going to stop, you know, all, all the, th- I mean, it was a huge reaction. What's that about? What is this huge resistance to bringing humanity into the workplace, even knowing how it actually impacts the bottom line? Casey, I get heated about this too. (laughs) (laughs) I I do because it's like you don't hire robots. You hire humans and love and connection and all these wonderful things are just part of your human experience, you know, your journey through, it helps get you through life and all the crud and a lot of crud happens at work. And I feel like I'm now I'm going to get heated because I think so much. So it's like you enter this bricks and mortar building and you are to do this one job. That's it. We just want you to do these things and everything else is just minutia. And so I think over time, people are just in this space where well, I have to show up and just do this job and not have to worry about the person next to me. And I don't know, what are they going through? Can I help support them? Can I encourage them? And the love, right? The human connection. And so I'm with you. I think there's just a, we were hired to do a job and I just want to do that job. It's the worst because there are so many other things, especially if you're in a leadership role that you need to cultivate, you need to pay attention to. Yes. Business is all about bottom line. That's how businesses are successful. But I think the legacy that you leave is how people feel when they're there. Like I loved working Mm. at this place because gosh, when I was there, they took care of me, Yeah, you know? So yes, you have a business, but then also how do you, I always feel want to be remembered as to how you're treating your people and caring for them. I I love that second point in particular because, and (laughs) let me put it this way, (laughs) that still comes back to the business, right? Right. That, that, that's kind of my point here that I'm trying to put on the table is we, we're constantly separating these things as, as sort of, you know, when we're, when we're bringing the humanity in, well, we'll get to that when we have time. Or, yeah, I suppose that's the right thing to do. Yes, 
but it also impacts the business, right? So if you if you have people in your organization and, and you give them that experience, like, wow, this place really took care of me and I, it was amazing to be here, right? They're going to tell people that. Absolutely, they will. And they also but, tell people the opposite experience. That's It, it all comes back. It, it does. And I, I think about it too, like people – people need to be taught that as well, right? So you think about management structures typically, and maybe not all today, but what are some of the most successful organizations? And for anybody that's worked within an organization or for a leader that does that, they may not use the word love, but right, that makes you feel that he or she knows you, right? That they know what you're truly, what you're good at, what your limitations are, what's important to you. And you know, they use that set of experiences in a way that helps not only them service an objective, but it engages people, right? I mean, there's this, this notion around learning agility, like how do I take and build upon the experiences and bring them into new situations? Um, and, and this one component around people and how you interact with others, those that do it really well, they're all in, in terms of right, understanding you know, the person and, and, um, you know, that, that feels a certain way where others may be more inclined or less inclined to do that. And they treat people the same, like they, they've either seen or they've, you know, their experiences has told them, like, I need to treat everybody the same. It's almost like, you know, this compartmentalization of, yeah. right. You, I can't talk to you any differently, Casey, because I've, you know, I'm, I've something in my experiences told me that's the way to operate. And that's like the almost essence of disengagement, right? I don't yeah. want to be treated exactly the same way as Jillian or exactly the same way as Tim. And, you know, what, who needs to give that person permission to like show them how to lead differently, how to be participative, right? Engaging, open. You feel it. Like it, it's hard sometimes to textualize, but it's just, it, there's no question. There's value in it. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I want to introduce for this something Rich said at the very beginning of our conversation, which was this idea, and I, I want to be careful not to make sort of a blanket statement because there's lots of reasons for the resistance against sort of the the love word, humanity, all of it. In many ways, you know, we we heard very explicit messages for a very long time. You just don't do that at work. Right. And, and there's people that, you, you know, you, they grew up in command and control. This is how it works. There's that element. And so there's all of those, you know, societal expectations, generational pieces, all of that's on the table, of course. And I want to respect and honor that. And if I could, I think, as I did in the last episode, just bring back one of my favorite quotes from RuPaul. If you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? And said sort of in our language, our capacity to accept other people where they are at, our capacity to see other people as normal and worthy of love and belonging because they exist is directly related to our capacity to accept ourselves. So if I'm you know, if, if we think about it, of our levels of identity, if I'm only willing to go to level two in myself, I can't go there <laughs> for someone else because it's way too scary. It's the bottom line that, that, you know, people talk about being uncomfortable, but the discomfort isn't simply because traditionally it's a taboo, taboo to speak a certain way at work. 
it's because this is such foreign territory to myself. This is a this is a place I don't go to in myself. I sure as hell am not going to go there for someone else. <laughs> and of course, that's not a conscious process. But that's a self-protective moment. And the self-protective mechanism is simply, well, people just need to show up and do their work. If it were only that easy. <laughs> <laughs> right! <laughs> right. Uh, well, and how done. much more willing would other people be willing to show up and do their job without you having to say that if you <laughs> honored them in whatever space? 79% more. The data is very clear, actually. <laughs> 79% more. I've heard you both talk about like capital truths, right? Or the cap- truth with a capital T, like the sun rises in the east. Yep, that, that's a given. But what, what and how do people deal most effectively with those that choose not? to right recognize some of those mm. fundamental truths we've, we've come across them right i mean maybe not maybe not in work every day right because especially in senior leader roles right that that's usually not as common but right for those as you're going through your work or your life right being able to apply all of the things that we've been talking about in a way that's objective as well as meets them where they're at knowing that they're in this protectionist mode but like you can't argue with things that are fundamentally true so it's just a thought kind of comment out there that's that's something in my mind yeah i think there's two parts in my head about it one is how am i seeing them and second is what am i choosing to do then can i get to seeing them in that place of full-on denial of reality and am i seeing them from that place that they're still a normal person worthy of my unconditional positive regard anyway. And then what's the most compassionate thing? And that informs what we do. And when there's harm, that's not compassionate or good for anybody for that to be continuing. So it's, it's a matter of specifically, you know, what's the best next right thing for everybody here? Right. And knowing that any participation in any kind of violence, which is the erasure of any experience, is not good for anyone. So, how do we guide our decisions from those places? And I think that always leads us to the next right thing, even when it's not easy, no matter how difficult. Sometimes the next right thing and actually the most helpful thing for everyone is to disengage. But we're, we're so not wired to, to think that's a good thing. You know, well, oh, I'm ignoring her, you know, I'm abandoning and all those things. But the, the reality is sometimes continuing to engage in unhelpful, unproductive, potentially even harmful engagements isn't helpful to anybody, even though or maybe socialized to think that's what you're supposed to do. So I think that's just an important piece, exactly what Tim said. And sometimes it may not seem societally like we're doing the quote-unquote right thing. But if we're grounded in our truth, here's a transition, we will know. So we're going to end as we do, rapid fire, rap. I mean, lightning round. There's nothing faster than lightning, is there? I don't think so. 
I think that's the truth. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> go with it. <laughs> so we have we have three questions uh, that we end our episodes with when we have guests. So Jillian, what's your truth? My truth right now is I have a lot of thoughts swimming through my head about this, and um, I'm excited because in my position in the organization, I think I can have some influence. So that's my truth right now. I'm excited about it. Nice. Tapping into your emotional truth, bringing in the excitement. Rich, what's your truth? My, my truth is that there's change all over the place, right? So um, there's, you know, and, and I know that's probably understated, but change is present every day, every moment. And uh, recognizing that you need to meet, you need to meet that change where you can. Uh, and in the best or most appropriate way. Um, and, and I think others I've, I've heard say, and I've, I've repeated often, it's like, catch what you can, right? There's the stuff that has to be done, but then there's also the catch what you can, whether that's personal or, um, you know, professionally. And that, and that helps, I think, people move through change or accept it as they need to. Rich McCaffrey, what does courage mean to you? It is doing the right next thing, even when you don't want to, or <laughs> it is... Uh, uh, or it's inherently difficult. Jillian Spurl, what does courage mean to you? Courage means to me being brave and fearless going into, for myself, particularly into the unknown, the uncertain. <laughs> That's uh, hard to do and it takes courage. Jillian, final lightning to you. What's your hope? I hope. Speaking from the organizational lens, I hope that we can get to a place where we can give people permission, managers, whoever, leaders, give them permission to allow humans, people, to bring their stuff, their emotional stuff, their who they are, what they bring to work and not have to worry about managing that out the door. Nice. And then as, as we sign off, uh, any, anything final that you'd like to share, kind of what you're working on, how people can contact you? Well, I am on LinkedIn. People want to find me on LinkedIn. Of course, I'm there. Um, and really, I am. it's a continuous project um, as kind of the ADW lead at my organization. It's kind of always a work in progress. I'm always brainstorming and coming up with ideas. So. Um, it's just an ongoing process, which is great. Keeps me yeah. on my toes. And I know, uh, just to give a plug to your organization, I know that there's sort of a, a broader effort on how some of these principles can really be leveraged to cultivate belonging. Yes. Uh, so we're excited to, to be helping you and partnering on that regard. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Rich, bring us home. What's your hope? Oh my gosh, that's a big one for a lightning <laughs> round. My goodness. I know we're all right. So, and I can't follow Jillian <laughs> on this one. That was really good. Um, s- simply, or hopefully simply, uh, my, my hope is that as I think about this past almost 18 months now, right, pre COVID, through COVID, where we are today, that not only my organization, but I think organizations and leaders in general continue to capitalize on the learnings that we've had, right? In terms of, yeah. and, you know, what what do we do? How do we meet people where they're at, right? Amongst this last 18 months, whether it's 
um, evolution of DEI conversations and how we, you know, really see and validate uh, others and the things that they bring to work to how we should be thinking about products and services that are more inclusive. Um, the conversation is different, right? It feels different than it has perhaps at least in my 20 three years or so in the workforce. Yeah. Um, and now that things are, you know, turning the corner, um, you know, want that to continue. That's my hope, right? That we continue to place emphasis on it and keep it top of mind for, uh, for, for true change to actually happen versus what I, I know a lot of people had said early on in the pandemic and around George Floyd was, yeah, it feels different, but like, I don't want this to be flavor of the month, right? And there's this potential risk, right? Now that things are going back to whatever there's normal, <laughs> normal is, yeah. um, you know, that, that we kind of forget. So my hope is that it, that it continues. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you sign off, uh, how can folks find you? Should you want them to? <laughs> and uh, anything that you're kind of excited to be working on at this at this time? Uh, great. So I too am on LinkedIn. So woohoo! Yes. Uh, LinkedIn's a great great place to do it. I do uh, respond to things, and I am on there uh, pretty frequently. Um, and uh, as far as work goes, I mean, we 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 are uh, kind of knee deep in continuing to refine. Uh, what leadership looks like through a number of different tools that that we use uh, within the company. So I'm, yeah. I'm particularly excited about that because there's a there's there's more energy around that now within the past year or two for senior roles across the organization. And it's not just leadership skills, but it gets to the essence of some of the things that we've been talking about here today. When we think about traits um, and behaviors, and there's the the potential, right, to do things um, in a more meaningful way, right, beyond the surface, right, which uh, I know many things kind of just scratch the surface and then we put on something else. Uh, so I'm excited about that. The ability to, to have uh, some change in a different way. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to hear more about that. Thank you both for being with us. I wish we could, particularly for this tenant, have like six more hours. So perhaps we'll have to <laughs> revisit with you. Commit to truth. Lasting change happens in the context of trusting relationships with self and others. It can't happen in a vacuum. There is no trust without truth. Always seek to understand your people's truth. Be a witness to their tacit truth and help them return to the unequivocal truth. They are a normal person worthy of love and belonging because they exist. Commit to relating to them from this place. No excuses, no matter how difficult. A deeper way. Foundational tenant number five.